Dear God in heaven, thank you so much for the day. Thank you so much for bringing us here like you do so often, and we're so appreciative appreciative of it. And we pray that we will make you happy in the things that we talk about, the things that we learn, and we pray that it'll be a time of growth, that it'll be a time of expanding our knowledge and, our, and thinking about your word. Thank you so much for giving us opportunities like this, and we pray that we'll take advantage of them. We, we ask that you be with those people that we've mentioned and people who are on our hearts. We ask that you be with Gene Gurley tomorrow and the doctors taking care of him. We're grateful that Pat Bell's doing better, and we pray that you'll continue to be with her. We pray that you'll be with Don, and, um, and uh, we pray that uh, we'll be able to love on him as much as possible. And thank you so much for him being in our lives and the example that he is to us and, and uh, his personality and, and, his, and him being willing to serve you. We're grateful to see Minnie back with us, and we, and we give you glory for her healing, and thank you so much for that. We are grateful also that the teens had such a good retreat, and we're grateful for the people who planned it and who, who went along and for the, for the teens who were willing to go or the youth. Uh, we ask that you be with Janie's family at this time at the loss. Uh, with the loss of Terry, and we pray for comfort for them. And thank you so much for the, all the people who have um, reached out to her, and we pray that um, she will receive that well, and thank you so much for them being in our lives. We ask that you uh, watch over Kyle, continue to, to allow him to heal if it's your will, and, and um, thank you for those people taking care of him. We ask that you be with Alan at this time as he's traveling uh, to go to the India workshop, and we pray that you'll keep him and Dale safe as they drive that long drive but thank you for the opportunities that they have to be together as friends, as co-workers, and we pray that the time that the time spent at the convention or the conference will be will be beneficial and a blessing to them. And thank you so much for the people in our lives. We pray that we'll be good family members, good friends, and good uh, ambassadors of, of Christ. Uh, and we pray that we'll take advantage of those opportunities around us to do so. Thank you so much for loving us, for giving us good things, and we pray that we'll appreciate those, learn to appreciate those, and thank you so much for the way that you that you bless us with Jesus, with hope, with expectation, and um, with excitement for eternity. And we pray that we'll live our lives uh, in that way of being excited about getting to heaven to be with you for eternity. Forgive us when we let you down, and we appreciate that forgiveness, and we pray that we'll have the same kind for other people. And thank you so much for um, the blessing of grace and mercy that we experience on a continual basis. Thank you for this kind of life, this way of life that you allow us to live. And again, thank you for Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Okay, anyone got it? Anyone know the uh, person that we're talking about tonight yet? No? Okay, so the the word for the wind, it's, it's fencing. What's the word for the wind? When you're fencing and you win. Touche. Okay, good. Thanks. Um, so it is touche. Oh, who said that? Someone. Okay. Keith? Okay. You got to speak up. So it's touche. So th there are some clues in this. Uh, anyway, this is probably, I told Peggy this is the lamest one that I came up with, but, it, but it's what I got. So th the people fencing, what are they? Not what are they? They're human beings. I know that gender-wise. We hope they're women, and so they're so the winner of the winner of the little match is the one who says gets to say touche. And and what is touche in English? What is it translated? Touch. And so the woman touched, and that's what we're talking about. It's so lame. The woman who touched Jesus's garment. Sorry, that's all I got. I mean, I stretched and strove and and uh, and. 
and tried so hard. But you, you notice that we're in Mark chapter 5, and I'll get there as well. Mark chapter 5. And we're working out of there because there is, a, there is an account, 21 through 34, 5. Man, I got, the, I got the smaller print Bible from my office. So if you look at 31, I mean 21 through 34, and, and the whole account is, is here, but that's where the text is. Jesus is on the way home. He's on the way to the home of Jairus. He's a leader. And, and what, what's the deal? He's going to go heal um, someone. And he's, he, Jairus is a leader of the local synagogue. His daughter's sick. She's getting ready to die. And so Jesus agrees to go with him to, to heal her. And as he walked through the town, as he walked through this noisy crowd, he, he, he recognizes that someone, and it's an unnamed woman, um, is, she, she reaches out. She's obscure. She's unnamed. And she is the subject of our study. And we don't know what to call her. You can call her Jane Doe or just the woman who touched Jesus. That's fine. But that's who we're going to be talking about tonight. So, so as we go through this, what do we know about this woman? Not much. But notice, and where, uh, I can't even see it. Notice in this account, I, yeah, sorry. Notice in this account, and maybe you've read through it, but I, I got my, English Standard, which they don't make giant print, and I'm sorry, but I need giant print even with contacts in. It's kind of kind of sad an account. But anyway, Jesus refers to her as daughter rather than woman, and so it's likely, and you can speculate that that this is a not an older woman, but a younger woman. She has a dreadful infirmity in her body, and the scripture says it's an issue of blood. She, it's a chronic disability. She's, she is totally exhausted from this. We'll talk about the aspects of exhaustion as we, as we look at this woman. It, as she goes through this process, this loss of blood, what's going to happen? When you lose a lot of blood, what happens physically? If, if, you, if you're lacking blood, what might they call that? Yeah, anemia. You're lacking blood. And she is lacking blood. She's losing blood. She's continuing. And it's enough that she's looking for doctor's help. And she's also, it, it, her vitality is ebbing. And she's losing this vitality, this blood. And it would also make her, I would say that she's, she's humiliated. She's embarrassed. I'm gonna, we're going to look at some Old Testament scripture in just, in just a moment. But you might say, as far as her physically... Physically is concerned, mentally, emotionally, and monetarily, she's at the end of a rope. Her, her physical, how long? How long has she had this, according to the scriptures? Huh? Twelve years. Twelve years. That's, that's a long time. We were looking at the, <laughs> we were looking over the weekend. Uh, the lesson that I gave the teens was about, was about bouncing uh, it is silly putty. It was all about silly putty and how we're silly putty. Okay, but it was about change. And the first couple of pictures that I showed were pictures of of people that were at the retreat. That the pictures of what they looked like when I met them. So there was uh, Steve wasn't there, but I had a picture of him. I had a picture of Todd uh, Martin. I had a picture of uh, who else? David and Tracy. And I had a 
picture of Kenny and Brandy. Yes. It, who? No. Anyway, at this. At, oh, that was that was Todd who had a picture of Larry. So when I met them, that was 18 years ago. We all looked in the picture of me, and we all looked totally different. Twelve years changes you, but I can't imagine having this infirmity for that long. I know it was 18 years, but 12 years is a long time to suffer from something. A, a decade point two. And so here she is, she's long 12 years, and every day of her life, her life is ebbing away. She's slowly dying, she's uncomfortable, and she's been unable, she, she's been unable to be helped. And so, she couldn't go to yes, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, uh, he says she couldn't go to the worship, because, and we'll talk about that idea, uh, the, the Old Testament reason why she wasn't allowed to go to the worship. And so spiritually, uh, she had to be frustrated as well. But she's, she, she hadn't, she put out effort to take care of herself. If you look at verse 26 in Mark 5, what does it say? She has suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She spent all that she had on what? On physicians, on doctors, on trying to figure out what is ailing her. And I found, and this isn't all, I mean, I'm not going to give you the whole list um, of things that I found, but I found a list of ancient cures for women's blood problems. When they have this, when they have this um, situation, ancient cures. Okay, carrying the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen rag, in a bag in the summer, and in a cotton rag, or a co linen rag in the summer, a cotton rag in the winter, and that'll cure you of this situation. Uh, an ostrich egg in a rag. So there's one. Here's another one, carrying, uh, digging. So if, if you have an issue of blood in, for a long period of time, then you're going to be able to do this and take care of it. And, and a doctor's going to give you this advice or, or here's your prescription. Dig seven ditches, burn shoots of grapevines inside the dishes and then in the ditches and then let her drink wine beside each ditch. That'll cure you. That'll do it. <laughs> Just, you know, there's your prescription. Take care of yourself. Have fun. How about this? This is one of them. This is the last one that I'll tell you. Set the patient where two roads meet. Put a glass of wine in her hand. Then let someone slip up behind her and frighten her. There you go. And that's what she's paying physicians to tell her. And maybe they didn't tell her these specific things. But this is a, these are common cures at this time. It's just crazy. So she spends all her all she had. She's broke, penniless, and she's not made better. You know who who, who benefited from all of her money being spent? He, yes, the doctors, the physicians, and, and that's who benefited. Not her, not her. You know, in Luke eight forty three. Maybe I have that. Um, eight forty three. Again, this is the same lady. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. And notice the wording of this. 
could not and not had not. She had not. But notice that word, or those two words, could not. What does that mean? Not only couldn't they do it, I mean, not only hadn't they done it, they were not able to. No one was able to, and they weren't going to be able to. They weren't going to be able to do it. And so, I mean, she was at the end of a rope. Go over to, keep your place at Mark chapter 5 and go over, if you would, to Leviticus 15. And we're going to look at 25 and 27. And that's what was mentioned about her being ceremonially unclean. Five twenty-five, fifteen, twenty-five, and twenty-seven is on the screen. And so we start in twenty-five. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than at the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. Keep that in mind. Every bed on which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her as the bed of her impurity. Whatever sit, she sits on shall be unclean as the uncleanness of her impurity. 27, whoever touches those things shall be unclean. He shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until the evening. Twelve years of being unclean. Twelve years uh, of of people understanding that if they touched what she touches, they were unclean. So if, if you knew of someone like that and you knew that you would be unclean and not just her, but, you know, lepers or whatever, you wouldn't touch them. But what would you do? I mean, you would take that. You wouldn't just say, uh, you know, come up and, and give her a hug. It, think about this society, this this time. Give her a hug and say, how's it going? And then and then the result of that little hug and, and that time to give, then what? You're unclean. So people, I believe, are just going to avoid her. And, and, and even her husband, if she has one, he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. And as pointed out, because of that, where, she, where can't she go into the synagogue? And that's 12 years what if you were not allowed to come to services for 12 years? You, you're, you're a Christian, and, but no one, and you might think, well, you know, that's, what our, that's kind of what our people on our unable to attend list, you know, that's their situation. But people can visit them and, if need be, bring communion to them or whatever and go worship with them. But in this lady's case, you can't even do that. You can't be with her. You can't spend time with her. She can't have the responsibilities and enjoy the privileges of a, of a wife with her husband. What about her as far as society is concerned? She wouldn't be allowed to mingle with people. I mean, she's got it rough. And um, I believe for 12 years she'd be very lonely. Wouldn't, you know, I mean, just people, she couldn't be around anyone for 12 years. She She'd just be very lonely. And, and I was thinking about this. Think of all the joys you have in life, the joys that you've had in life for the last 12 years. All the things that you were able to do with all of the people that you were able to do them with. Uh, the places that you've traveled and the places you were able to be in the midst of crowds with and that you've enjoyed overseas or different places, different cities for the past 12 years. She couldn't do this. Couldn't travel into larger cities, 
heavy populations. And so think about what she did here when she made her way to Jesus. Think about what she did. What she, she broke the rules, you might say, the social rules. And she broke relig- religious laws. And think about that. She, she took chances. I mean, this she took risks, not chances, but she took risks. And she was forbidden to do those things, and she did it. So what does that say about her? I mean, if you were to describe her based on what I just said, how would you describe her? Desperate, Desperate yeah. Desperate. Just needing, just going to extremes, if you will. And think about it, but also, so she's desperate. But then on the other hand, think about her timidity. She was timid. She was, you know, she, she, you, if you're sick for a while, and I think, I think a lot of you know what it's like to, to, have, to be sick for a while, what are, some of the, what are some of the things that happen mentally? I, depression might come. And, and, and to be sick and poor, I think there's more depression and then disappointment after disappointment of not being able to be cured. I think in the society, people would know who she is and recognize her and get away from her if, if they could. And, and if not, if they didn't just avoid her, they might have actually driven her away from, from uh, certain places. So you think about her timidity. Wouldn't you be t- timid in that situation? I, I would. I'd be f- afraid. She was, a f- she was forbidden. Well, she would have been treated like a leper. And then she couldn't touch priests or really anyone else. But what about her faith? So she was timid. She, was, you know, she had a hard life. and She was ostracized. But what about her faith? I said, pretty good. I mean, for her to understand and believe in her heart, if I just make my way to that one man and touch touch his garment, which she's forbidden to do, I'll be okay. And so she does it. She must have known or felt or realized something. What what, what brought her to Christ? A great need. And think about that. There's a little lesson for us. What brings people to Christ? Understanding a great need that they need to be healed spiritually. And so it was a great need. And so she tried, but here's, here's the other side of it. She got, to, instead of trying Jesus first, which she couldn't have, I hope that we're not like that, that we don't try Jesus last. I hope that that's not the case for us. We need help. We need, we need some spiritual healing. We, don't, we just go to Jesus first. But she didn't, and because she didn't, you know, he wasn't around at that point. Her faith was real, but we might say that it, it was imperfect. She, she, what did she want? Most of all, apparently in life, was to be healed. What, is, what are the ramifications if she's healed? She's normal. What about that? Then she, in society, she can mingle and interact. What about that? She can go to the synagogue and worship with the other people. Those are the ramifications. Her faith is deep. She desires, as far as, I mean, she, her desire was deep, and she has a this is something that we need to have too. She had a conviction. She was convicted, convinced that Jesus could heal her. And I hope we're like that too. We become convicted and convinced that Jesus will take care of us when we, 
when we need it spiritually, and it always we need it spiritually. But she had great expectation and hope that it would happen, and that is faith. It wasn't perfect faith because she, she didn't understand completely what all Jesus could do, but she had some faith, and it took some, some uh, fortitude, I guess you might say, to, to get to him. But Jesus is perfect, and so he heals her. Let's, t- let's talk about the healer. What's, what's G- when Jesus came to earth, what's his primary mission? What's his primary mission? To teach and to heal. Yeah, to teach and heal. Con- seek and save the lost. And he's going to do that by taking care of people. And, and that's why he came to seek and save the lost. But he takes time over, and not just in this case too with this woman in Mark 5, but over and over again he goes physically to people to take care of them. He's never, doesn't seem like he's ever too busy to help someone in need. And that's commendable. That's our Jesus. That's our Savior. Um, and, and so we, we've got to consider a few things about him. Okay, who is he? He's God's son, therefore he's God. But what about his power? He has the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist says this about him in John 3, 34. For he whom God has sent, he, Jesus, whom God has sent, utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. Wow. At his disposal, the Spirit, unfettered, totally at his disposal. Unlimited power. Unlimited power. Jesus says this. Um, in Matthew, missed one. In Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, he said, "All authority in heaven and earth has been given me." So he's a great, he's a great physician. Now, we know that song, "The Great Physician." I, I talked to Eddie about it, you know, before he left. Um, where in the Bible does it use the phrase "the Great Physician"? Well, you're not going to find that phrase. But Jesus does talk about the sick needing a physician, and we know that he is the ultimate healer, and so he is the greatest physician. And this woman needed him in this case. Mankind needs him in this case for what? For healing, physical, but most importantly, spiritual. Most importantly, spiritual. So he's the great physician. He's very sensitive. Why might we know that? Why why might we say that? He's all-knowing. That's kind of an attribute of God, kind of. It really is. But at this point, he's walking, and this, this baffles me a little bit, but, but it makes sense uh, in what he was trying to do. He stops when? When does he stop and turn around and ask a question? When she touches him, why? What does he feel? He said the power has gone out from him. Yeah, the power. I felt power. Power has gone out from me. And so he's sensitive. He's uncorrupted. And that's one of the attributes about Jesus. He's uncorrupted. And, and um, he, his, he says, power has gone out from me. And his initial response is to take care of people. Morally, spiritually, physically. And 
And we need to understand, hopefully this, yes, Matthew 10, 29. And the point for this scripture, to look at this scripture, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Even the hairs of your number, uh, of, of your head, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. God knows, knows you, knows how you're made, knows every cell of your body, skin, hair, whatever. What does that mean to, for us? Well, if, he, if, if we have needs, he absolutely knows what those needs are. He absolutely does. He's sensitive to us. And so um, this, it's impossible for anyone, I guess the point you can say, it's impossible for anyone to need something without him knowing that you need it. It's impossible. He will need it. Now, what do we need to do in, in those situations when we know for sure we need God, which is all the time, but we are in a situation and we know the way out of this is to, is to call on Christ, to, to call on God to help us. W- when might those times be? And um, do we understand that, that he knows? We have to ask. In order to have that at our disposal, we have to ask for, for those things, I believe. If we need forgiveness, we ask for forgiveness. If, if we're spiritually weak and dying, we ask for heal, spiritual healing. But we have to ask. It's available to us at all times. And God absolutely knows what we need when we need it. But it's up, up to us to ask for it. And I've, and I've used this analogy in different places, I think in class a couple of weeks ago. But I have my dad, he, he loved to put us through agony when he knew we wanted something and we he wanted us to ask for it. And I just remember asking for the vehicle, knowing that he was going to give me a hard time asking and kind of working up my, I wanted to ask, but I was afraid because I, I didn't, I didn't, was afraid of the hard time he was going to have. And so I was working my way up. And this was not just one occasion, working my, 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 uh, trying to get brave enough, my bravery up to ask him, but I was in the same room with him several times, and he would just be watching and waiting. And when I finally got ready to ask, he, 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 would, he would interrupt me. You want the keys? Yes. I knew it. Then why didn't you give them to Why did you make me go through all that rigmarole? And so God, God doesn't do that to us. He just, he's there ready for, to give. When we ask, he's not going to put us through, put us through all of that uh, turmoil he just wants us to ask. Notice, notice how tender Jesus was. He, what, does he, what does he not demand from her? He doesn't say, hey, stand up in front of everyone and tell everyone about your problem. It's an embarrassing problem to her. It's humiliating, and he doesn't do that. He doesn't demand that she tells the nature of her illness, and then he calls her daughter. That's an enduring, when he says daughter, that's an enduring term of affection. You just don't he doesn't call her sister or, or ma'am or whatever. He calls her daughter. And then what does he say in Matthew 9.22? Be of good cheer. He, he helps her with her fears. And then he wants her body and her spirit to be healed permanently. Or he does it. He, he wants her body. But he also wants, because what does he say? Go in peace. And literally when he says go in peace, you can translate it go into peace. Go into a life of peace from here on out. Physically, you're going to be okay. And she will go into peace um, when she goes back into society and, and, she, uh, and she's able to function as a, as a person.
did I put? Okay. His garment. And, and, and I, I don't know if this is important. Um, to me, it's very interesting, fascinating to me, but that's just me. But, but I, I give you Numbers 15, 38 through 40. What would it look like? You try to, you try to imagine. What, what, what do people, when people paint Jesus or, or, or you know, put him in pictures or whatever, what's he wearing? What's he wearing? Cloak, huh? Shroud. He's got, you know, he's got these robes and everyone else has robes. But what religion is he? He's, he's Jewish. And so you see 1538 through 40, speak to the people of Israel, tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generation to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And then he dropped down to, uh, to, to 40. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. And so those tassels are going to be common. And maybe you can picture in your mind, maybe you've seen, you've seen uh, uh, the, the, these garments on, on Jewish men. But it was a remind, reminder of the covenant duties. And so I, I don't know if this is what she grabbed, what she, but in your mind you can picture this, hopefully him wearing this. Maybe she reached for this. Maybe it was a, just a, a robe that he's wearing. And we know that he had outer garments and inner garments. Why? Because when he's crucified, there are inner and outer garments. We know that there is a transfiguration and then he, he was clothed in different garments, but this hadn't happened yet. And so you think about, here's a, here's a commentator, and I love this, this uh, idea. The garment was, imp- this isn't what he said, but the garment is important to a point, but the most important thing is that it was on Jesus. Jesus was wearing it. He didn't take it off and then, and then say, you know, touch it, or he, she didn't find it. He was wearing it. That's why it was so important. And then this is a quote, her faith, not her finger, and Jesus's power, not his garment, made her whole. Not her finger physically, and not his clothes, but her faith in reaching out, and him being in the clothes that she touched. And so... You contemplate that, and hopefully you see the lesson for us as well. We need, yes, we need to reach. Yes, we need to do things. for, But, but our faith and Jesus being who he is is what's going to heal us spiritually and change our lives. What about the miracle? Um, when was she healed? Well, gradually. She's, it just cleared up um, after a while. Immediately. Immediately. And that's what happens with Jesus' miracles. It, it was an immediate healing. Immediate healing. She doesn't have to, and notice this, how much did it cost her? And how frustrating. And, and she's just grateful. I know she's grateful. Um, but, you know, looking back on it, I just, I don't know. I, I, she probably wasn't frustrated, but just looking back on it, I wonder how I would feel. I spent all this money, and this is what I, and it just took a few seconds. One touch. One touch. It was a miracle. It could be verified. And, and uh, it, it, what's the difference between people he, healing today and, and, the, and uh, Jesus' is healing? Faith healers today versus Jesus. Well, there's no money that is being asked for by Jesus. And it's not. It's to help people. Miracles had three purposes. John 5, 36 and 37 um, says, and I'll read it because we're running out of time and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to get done. Um, 
The testimony that says 36 through 37 of John 5, the testimony that I have is greater than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me and the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. And so, it, and so he is going to um, perform these miracles to, dis, to, to claim his deity, to show his gen, deity. Um, John 20 and 23, uh, 20, 31, and, ah, sorry, 30 and 31, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of disciples. But what are the, why, why are these written, John says, so that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God? Um, and have life in his name. So it's going to change the heart, generate faith. And then Mark 1, 40 and 42, a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling to him, if you will, make me clean. He's, Jesus is moved with pity, stretches out his hand, touches him, and, I, and he says, I will be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him. He was made clean. He, he's there to relieve suffering. And so those are the miracles, the reason for them to, to establish his deity, to grow people's faith, and to take care of people. Now, her confession. He didn't ask a question for his own information. I believe he absolutely knew who touched him. She needed to know that it was Jesus and not the garment that healed her. And so he made sure he made sure she understood and they understand. She, need to, she needed to acknowledge that. Why? Because people needed to know. People needed to know what had happened to her. And then she's going to be an example. And I think that that's, you know, when someone decides to become a Christian, uh, a lot of times they're uncomfortable with doing it in front of other, being baptized in front of other people. That shouldn't be the case. That's, that's a something to celebrate. That's something that you see them in as an example. Someone coming forward asking for prayers, that, those are our example, and we admire them for it. Um, and so she, she is, she's a great example for other sinners or other people in her situation. And then the faith of the disciples are going to be grown uh, because of that. And then she is going to be, her shame is going to be wiped away. And she's going to be able to enjoy a newfound life after 12 years because she acknowledges her Savior. Some lessons as we wrap up. It could go both ways. This can go both ways. We suffer and we feel pain. What are the directions that can go as far as our relationship with God, Jesus, and other people? It could go south, and I, and I mean by that in a negative direction. How so? What might happen? Someone's suffering. They suffer a loss, and, and things are terrible in their lives. They might blame God. It goes south. They're angry at God. Or... Suffering and pain bring people together like nothing else does. We don't want to suffer. We don't want people to suffer. But pain and suffering brings people together. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, sorrow and pain humbles us, I believe. She, and, and so another lesson, I hope you can get this. Uh, I hope I make it clear. Not I know you can get it, but I hope I make it clear. She doesn't give up, and she goes to Jesus because she's not giving up, and she she doesn't she. There is no cure that the world, as far as the world is concerned, there's no cure. We've got to get past that and allow Him to heal us. 
How many people touched Jesus that day? Well, we don't know, but how many people do you suppose? Crowds were around him, throngs of people. How many touched Jesus that day? And if someone had an infirmity, how many do we know that were healed? We don't know of anyone else that was healed. That's why this lady is singled out. Other people were touching Jesus, but only one person who touched him was healed that day. Think about that. It's not enough just to be close to Jesus. You've got to come in contact with them. And we do that through his blood putting on, putting on Christ in baptism. And so she had to put action with her faith. Two people, two kinds of people touched him. Um, curious people. And then this woman touched him in faith. Faith involves obedience. And she was obedient. She, she did what she needed to do. And then we need to remember that the world is full of religious doctors who will wipe out the wealth of patients um, to benefit not the patient, not the people in need. I'm, not, I'm talking about spiritual people who claim to be healers or, or you know, to help spiritually, and all they want is money, and we've seen that. And then um, Jesus. Here, Jesus is our example of tenderness, of compassion, of 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 being willing to take time for people, and that's a lesson that we need to make sure we see. And then obedience and courage and faith. What happens when we're obedient, we have courage, and we're faithful, we will be rewarded. How so? Well, we get to have wealth. No, we get to be healed physically. Maybe, maybe not. But spiritually, we we will glory in, in the blessings of Christ. Um, what if she had not acted? What if she said, I, I know about a guy and I'm going to look at him. I'm going to get close to him. I'm going to see how it is. What if she had not put herself into a dangerous situation? She would not have been healed. And if we don't step up and toward and walk toward Jesus or move toward Jesus, we won't be healed either. We won't be healed. What if she hadn't put forth action? And what if she didn't? What if she had just acted? What if she had just been there and he brushed up against her, but she didn't believe she hadn't any? She hadn't had any faith that he would heal. That nothing would have happened. Nothing would have happened.